0: When Ayan lived in the camp in Yemen, she was just a child, the middle one of seven. Now there were only three of them, and she had to be mother. In the camp, she'd gone to school, studied math and chemistry, and she'd learned Arabic. Others in the camp never learned the local language. But Ayan was descendant from Somali nomads, storytellers and poets, skilled orators with a rich oral history. With few possessions, they valued the gift of language above all. Then came war and loss, and men you could not trust. And now, eight months later, she was on board a huge ship, rolling over giant waves, surrounded by sea and more sea, as if there was no such thing as
1: land. When I packed my bags to leave for Sicily, my main concern was the weather, The air conditioning in the office was always freezing, so I packed jumpers and warm shawls as well as sunglasses. And I was worried about how slow the office Wi-Fi was and the long hours I'd be putting in there. It was hardly worth packing sunscreen. I thought back to this four weeks later, as I looked out at the endless expanse of the Mediterranean Sea. My T-shirt was stiff with salt and sweat as I leaned over the railings and adjusted my binoculars. I hardly noticed the roar of the engine anymore. I was glad I'd packed sunscreen, though. It was about the only thing I was prepared for.
0: Ayan's mother didn't make the decision to leave Yemen. War made them leave. Their fragile safety was shattered by bullets and bombs. And suddenly, they had to go. Buses arrived, and in the chaos, Ayan, her younger brother and sister were separated from the rest of the family. They saw their mother and siblings get on a bus and watched it drive away. Their own bus followed slowly and they pressed their faces against the window, desperate to keep their mother in view. But they dropped further and further behind and despite the panic screams of the children, the bus carrying their mother disappeared from view. From then on, They were on their own.
1: I'll never forget the day Mike came up to me in the office, very casually. Francesca, come here. You speak Arabic, don't you? And French? Sam's broken his foot. We need you on the ship. What, me? When? You applied for the job, didn't you? Yes. And you've done the training?
2: The ship will be back next week. You better start packing.
1: A week after my conversation with Mike, I was on the ship, trying to fill the shoes of the previous translator, Sam, a giant of a man in every sense. He'd been a refugee himself, so he had a natural affinity with the people we rescued. Everyone adored him, particularly the children. I had no idea how I would step into his role. I'd studied Arabic at university for four years and lived in Beirut for two. How could that possibly compare? As I packed my bags again, I tried to remember why I'd applied for the job in the first place. Ayan and her
0: brother and sister moved from village to village as the conflict in Yemen spread. They would lie awake at night, listening to the shelling, and the little ones would cling to her. Ayan told them that she would protect them, that she was their mother now, and she hoped that if she said it enough times, it would be true. They met a group of Somalis, men traveling with young girls and children. The leader looked closely at Ayan and offered to take her and the children back to Somalia. With no other choices, Ayan agreed. But late at night, the girls would whisper amongst themselves, and Ayan learned a new word, smuggler. (laughs) Then, one day, the army arrived. Soldiers and trucks drove into the camp shouting and waving guns threatening to arrest the smugglers and break up the camp. Ayan raced over to listen. The smugglers started arguing furiously, insisting that the girls were their sisters and daughters, the boys their sons and cousins. But the soldiers shouted over them and grabbed the men roughly around the neck, forcing them towards the trucks. The air became thick with dust as boots and sandals scuffled in the dirt. out of a robe, a large pile of dirty, worn-out dollars appeared. Guns were put away, cigarettes handed around, and over glasses of tea, the real business began. Ayan stood closely as the deal was made. The smugglers would hand over the young children, but would keep the more valuable older girls and boys. The soldiers agreed, and with shouts, signals, and exchange of notes, the deal was done. Before Ayan could move, The soldiers sprung up and spread out throughout the camp, looking for the children. Panic-stricken, she raced wildly from tent to tent, calling for her brother and sister. Then she heard her sister scream and watched in horror as a soldier grabbed her and her brother and marched them towards a truck.
1: When I saw my cabin for the first time, I remember realising that this tiny space was what counted for home now. A single bed, with walls I could touch with outstretched hands. That was it. When I stepped outside the door, I was on duty. I watched the coast of Italy disappear and felt my stomach clench. Looking back now, some of it never got easier. Physically, it was exhausting. Once we reached a boat in distress, I'd stay by its side for anything up to five hours, until the last person had been transferred to the rescue ship. In those first tense hours, panic could spread easily, especially if people started fighting for life jackets and rocking the boat. I had to find a way to get a boatload of terrified strangers to listen to me, to stay calm and follow my instructions, and I had to do it in three different languages, whilst hanging on to a tiny rubber dinghy. I think back to the first rescue I did and it's all just a daze. I remember afterwards just feeling relief, somehow I'd got through it. And then over time I settled into a routine and something happened to me. I found my way and I became, well not exactly someone else, still me, but a me who could do this job. Memories of her mother's
0: bust disappearing from view flashed through her head as she raced towards the soldier. She frantically searched for the right words. Words that could persuade, command. Words that this time would stop her loved ones being taken away. She planted herself in front of the soldier. This one, she said, grabbing her brother's hand and curling her fingers tightly around his. You don't want him. And this one? She grabbed her sister's warm little hand, threading their fingers together. You don't want her. No one wants them. Only me. I am their mother. Before anyone could react, she felt herself being pulled backwards as one of the smugglers grabbed her around the waist and started dragging her away. She didn't hear the men shouting or the terrified screams of the children. She concentrated only on keeping hold of those two small hands. And as the smugglers dragged her through the dirt, the children were pulled back with her.
1: The days leading up to her rescue would be calm. We'd try to recover from the exhaustion of the previous days. With so many people on board in such great need, there was never much time to sleep. Once we'd reached the rescue zone, we'd know it was only a matter of time before we'd spot a boat and the tension on the ship would build. When the call finally came in, it was almost a relief. I would grab my megaphone, put on my life jacket and start to mentally prepare for what was coming. Breathing deeply, I'd run through the words that I would say switching between English, French and Arabic. We're here to help you. We're going to take everyone. Please listen very closely and stay calm. And as I repeated the words like a mantra, it was almost as if I was saying them to myself, reminding myself of the reason I was here, why we were all here doing this job. We're here to help. We're here to help.
0: They began to travel more quickly, through desert and mountains, days and weeks blurred into one, until Ayan lost track of time and place. Only the warmth of those two small bodies pressed close to her at night made any sense. Then they arrived in Libya and the traveling stopped. They were handed over to a different group of men and thrown into a small, overcrowded room and kept locked up day and night. At night, men came and they would select young girls and take them away. And when they brought them back, the girls would be crying. One night, a man came for Ayan. She had nothing to fight him with. No possessions to swap or sell. Like her nomadic ancestors, she had only the gift of words. She looked him directly in the eye and spoke to him in faultless Arabic. Not me. Don't take me. Listen to me. I'm not like them. I'm like you. Listen. Listen. Take someone else. Please. As she pleaded with him in the language of his mother, his sisters, the language of his daughters, his eyes slid away. She felt a hot, shameful pride as he turned from her and picked someone else.
1: I spent over a month at sea. And by the last rescue, the weather had changed and I was shivering as I took over the evening watch. It was dusk when we heard a dim voice over the radio calling for help. We knew the boat was near and we spent anxious hours trying to find it. Finally, just as the light was fading, I spotted it, a speck of white and black on the horizon. I searched for the telltale flash of orange that would mean they had life jackets. I looked at the captain and shook my head and we loaded up the rescue boat and got to work.
0: Days later, they were taken out of the room and driven to a forest by the sea. For two days, they hid in the trees before being forced onto a rubber dinghy. They were pushed out into the sea in driving rain, and within minutes, they were soaked to the skin and lost. One man managed to make a call on the radio before it spluttered and died. They drifted for a day and a night with no food or water. At first, people were desperate and angry, but as night went on, they became quieter.
1: As we drew nearer, we saw that the boat carried a lot of young girls, many of them holding babies. I pushed away the thought of how these girls had become pregnant. As the waves rocked the dinghy, we saw that one side was deflating it wouldn't be afloat much longer. I picked up my megaphone and started to speak the well-rehearsed words, trying to give hope and encouragement to the frightened girls on board. As light was fading on the second day,
0: they heard the sound of a motor. Ayan lifted her head and heard a woman's voice, speaking soft, strangely accented Arabic. We're here to help you. We're going to take everyone. Please listen very closely and stay calm. She opened her eyes, squeezing the small hands that clung to hers, shaking them awake. We're going to be rescued.
1: By the time I got back on the ship, the deck was packed with dazed and exhausted people. I heard one group praying. Someone else was singing softly to her baby. I saw exhausted children, barely able to walk, being half carried onto the ship. Some people had obvious injuries, burns, scars. Others moved slowly their blank eyes showing the more hidden signs of trauma most people just wanted to eat and sleep I walk around the deck talking to people translating where needed handing out hot drinks and blankets and then I heard shouting from the clinic
0: once on the big ship the three of them were taken to a room that was just for children The little ones immediately picked up crayons and started to draw and play. Ayan watched, but it was clear they didn't need her. She wandered off onto the deck and looked out at the endless sea. The sound of someone shouting in Somali, calling for help, cut through her thoughts. She raced towards the noise and found a young boy in a room with doctors. He had a deep, jagged cut on his leg, gaping open to the bone. The doctors were trying to take off his trousers to treat the wound, and the boy was terrified. She ran to him and took his hand and looked him in the eye. She spoke to him as if he was one of the children, gently but firmly, reassuring him that these people wanted to help. Then, from over her shoulder, she heard a voice speaking Arabic in that soft, strange accent. She said,
1: Do you speak Arabic? Can I help you? It was then that I first saw her. It was her extraordinary composure that struck me first. It was so unusual to see in someone who had just been rescued. She was helping a frightened boy who wouldn't let the doctor treat him calming him down, reassuring him. I could see she was using her voice, her expression, her whole being to get through to him, just like I'd learnt to do. I spoke to her, and we immediately started working together. Ian translating from Somali into Arabic, and me from Arabic into English for the doctors. And soon the boy calmed down. When the boy was bandaged up and the medics had finished
0: the two women talked. Over many hours, Ayane told Francesca her story about the camp and the buses, the journey that followed, and she talked about looking after her brother and sister and how she had tried to be their mother.
1: As she told me her story, I couldn't believe she was only 16 years old. She was so young to have gone through so much, to lose her own mother and then have to become a mother herself. I couldn't imagine how hard it must have been through the months of travelling, trying to keep them all safe. I couldn't help but feel protective of this tall, brave girl. I wished I could take some of the weight off her shoulders, let her feel like a child again. I told her what an incredible thing she'd done, how proud her mother would be, and her voice cracked for the first time and tears rolled slowly down her cheeks. I took her hand, and she dropped her head onto my shoulder. I pulled her close, and for a few moments she let herself be comforted. But just as quickly, she gathered herself together. Some people came alone, she told me. We didn't. We came together. I love my brother and sister, and they love me, and that's all there is.
0: When the ship finally docked in Italy, Ayanne stood on the deck, looking down at the chaos of the port. The roar of hundreds of voices swept over her. She saw a group of policemen marching through the crowd, sweating and important in their official uniforms. Another group holding cameras were jostling each other in a roped-off area. One group in red T-shirts were smiling and waving up at the ship, She straightened her back and pulled the children closer. You stay near to me, she told them. They hugged their new backpacks and grinned at her. She put a hand in her pocket, touching the folded paper that Francesca had given her. On it were the names and numbers of local agencies that would help her and the children find a safe place to stay and help get them into school. Francesca's last words played in her mind they would try to find her mother.
1: When people ask me what was the hardest part of being on the ship, they're always surprised by the response. It's not the long days at sea, the physical exhaustion or the stress of the rescues. It's the moment when you get to the shore and the people you've helped leave the ship. You only spend a few days with them, but you speak with them, you eat with them, You hear their stories. Their lives have been nothing but fear for many months or years. Their stories touch you, and being able to help them even for a short time leaves a profound effect on you. And as you watch them walk off the ship onto the shore, you know the challenges they still have to face, and you worry. And then with some people there is a deeper connection. One that touches your heart. And when you see that person walk away, that's the hardest thing of all.
2: Anywhere But Home is a six-episode audio drama brought to you by Save the Children. To meet the people who inspired this story and find out more about the issues featured in this episode, go to www.savethechildren.net forward slash anywhere but home. If you'd like to support this podcast and the work of Save the Children, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Anywhere but Home was written and created by Alexia Singh, directed by Alexia Singh, produced by Natasha Coleman, sound design, editing, and music by Nikki French, casting by Merrill and Leslie, recorded and edited by Nathan at the Blue Studios. Ayan was performed by Ahed Gamil Francesca was played by Emma Kanif. Mike was Nick Khan and the Arabic voices were provided by Lubna Fakhri and Ahd Kamil